Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Arise to Truth. My name is Wesley Simons, and I preach for the Stony Creek Church of Christ in Elizabethton, Tennessee. Joining me on the program today, Eddie Kraft. Good to have him with us. Boy, it's great to have you with us by way of radio. Go get that Bible, pencil, and paper, and for the next one hour, study with us the greatest of all books, the inspired, inerrant, perfect will of God. Now, you got your Bibles? We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4, God's platform for unity. Notice what the Word of God says. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let me stop right there for a moment. Oh, you see these religious people, and they often get excited about unity. But what they mean by unity is unity and diversity. Friends, that is not the biblical concept of unity at all. Not at all. In other words, you go your way, believe whatever you want to. I'll go my way, believe whatever I want to. And we'll just agree to disagree. No. Read the Word of God. And you'll see that you and I are to believe the same thing. You say, Wesley, I find that hard to believe. You act like you can know truth in an absolute sense. Well, listen to the words of Jesus, folks. Jesus said in John eight thirty two, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Can I know it? Jesus Christ said I can know it. But if you listen to these religious people and preachers, they want you to believe that you and I cannot know truth. Well, that's your view. Well, that's your interpretation. Again, let me quote the inspired Word of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak similar things. That's not what it says. That's what the religious world promotes. They don't even promote similar things in most cases. Notice that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That's what the Bible says. See, we have people call in here and Well, Wesley, I know you see it that way, but now I read that verse, and I I don't see it that way. Well, what that tells me is this. At least one of us is wrong. Maybe both of us, but at least one. Now, there's some things, ladies and gentlemen, about which we must be right. We've got to be right on whether or not God exists we got to be right on whether or not Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. we got to be right on whether or not it takes the blood of Christ to save us or not. we got to be right on the plan of salvation, on the way we worship, the church we are a member of, the moral code of the Word of God, and on and on we could go about some of these things about which we must be right. Now, there's some things with which we might differ. What I mean by that, 
Did Abraham wear sandals when he went to offer his son Isaac? If so, what color? Well, I don't know that. You may say, well, I think he wore sandals, and I believe they were red. Well, that's your opinion. As long as you don't make that a point of doctrine and cause trouble over it, I can live with you. But now when you start causing trouble, the Bible tells me that I'm to mark those that cause division based on what Romans 16, 17, and 18 says. So here we have in Ephesians 4 a plea for unity. Jesus Christ prayed for unity, ladies and gentlemen. He prayed for unity. He prophesied unity. Other sheep which I have, which are not of this fold. And then he prophesied there'll be one fold and one shepherd. And we see the fulfillment of that when we come to Ephesians 2, the latter part of it. He preached it. He prophesied it. He put it into practice during his life. Try it. He even pointed out when they tried to say, why, you cast out demons in the name of Beelzebub. He said, well, if the devil is divided, then any house divided against itself cannot stand. That's true with the Lord's house. It cannot be divided. Friends, we have religious people today trying to say it's okay to ordain homosexual priest. Hogwash. I say that kindly. Read the Bible. What does the Bible say? makes no difference what I think about it. What does the Bible say? And these people want you and me to believe they're still on God's side. Eddie, they're not on God's side. They've left God, and they're endorsing their own doctrine. That's exactly right. And a lot of this, Wesley, has been promoted by denominational era. Now, they don't know that. They wouldn't accept credit for it. But, you know, once you take a position that says it doesn't matter what a person believes, as long as they're honest and sincere, that opens the floodgate for any and everything that anyone wants to bring in. That's right. See, denominations have said for years, well, not thinking about the consequence of it, it doesn't matter what a man believes. As long as he's honest and sincere, and when the rose called up yonder, he'll be there. You can believe one thing, I can believe another, and somebody else can believe something else. Well, see, then think about Hinduism and all those kind of things growing in America. And so some fellow comes along over here that's a Muslim that does not believe in God, not the God of the Bible, doesn't believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, and they've now got to accept him. You notice more and more how many prayers that's prayed publicly on television and Jesus' name not be mentioned. In his name we pray, amen, something to that effect. Why? If they mention Jesus' name, they're going to condemn everyone that does not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And so to accommodate their religious friends, they just don't mention his name. But friends, any prayer that's not prayed through and by the name of Jesus Christ doesn't get higher in the ceiling. That's it. And any name that is, or any prayer that's prayed by anyone that promotes division is not going to get higher than the ceiling either. That's right. Like Wesley said, Jesus prayed in John 17 for unity. Jesus planned it, and we're reading about it right now in Ephesians 4. And if you read the second chapter of Ephesians 13 to 17, he paid for it. And verses 4 through 16 shows he provided it. it. Now, friends, language can't be any clearer than what we're going to be looking at in just a few moments when Wesley continues in this study. But I want you to think about this, and I'm going to say it, and you think about it later. When Wesley reads the verse, it says there's one God. What about these folks that believe in a different God? Now, are we going to accommodate them? Are you going to say, now, wait a minute. Their mothers and daddies believed in Buddha. 
And we can't come along now and condemn them because we're going to condemn their loved ones. We're going to say your loved ones are lost. Friends, listen. My loved ones are either lost or saved based upon whether they did or did not do what the Lord said. Not because they believe this or that or the other. They must believe the truth if they're going to be made free. John said, hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. Read 1 John chapters 2 and 3. And Wesley, if they'll do that, they'll see these beautiful principles set forth in the word of God. So let me ask a question, ladies and gentlemen. You might raise the question, are you men saying that it does matter what you believe? And yes, that's exactly what we're saying. We believe with all of our heart. We know, as a study of the Word of God teaches, that it does matter what a person believes. And any person that does not believe in the God of the Bible, does not believe and practice what the New Testament teaches relative to the plan of salvation and other matters, Wesley is promoting division and will be condemned at the day of judgment. That's exactly right, Eddie. We got to do it God's way. Now, we've had a caller who's called in a question, and they want to know what is meant by vain repetition when you pray. Well, first of all, let's point out that repetition is not wrong. Right. Jesus Christ prayed three times. If it be thy will, so did Paul. Let this cup pass by me. Paul prayed three times that the thorn in the flesh be removed. Well, what is a vain repetition? Well, a vain repetition would be when one is just saying something for the sake of saying something and does not mean it sincerely. And the Lord condemned vain repetitions. In Matthew chapter 6, the great Sermon on the Mount, verse number 7. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. See, there are those who think the longer they pray, the higher the prayer goes. Listen, friends, a prayer does not have to be eternal to be heard. I know a preacher one time, I'm talking about a gospel preacher, who called on a man to pray, and he prayed about 30 minutes. Now, this was supposed to be a prayer before the sermon, and... The preacher who called on this man to pray got up after he had done that, and this man had prayed for 30 minutes and said said to the audience, I want to apologize if I'd have known that Brother so-and-so would have been that far behind on his praying, I wouldn't have called on him. Well, there's some truth in that. Read the model prayer. I used to know how many words in it. I believe 67. Not many words at all, but boy, the depth of that prayer. See, it does not have to be eternal to be heard. Well, what happens then when one wants to be heard for as much saying? He winds up repeating stuff over and over and over again. Jesus said to heathen, they thought they'd be heard for their much speaking. No. Jesus said they thought they might be heard for their vain repetition. No. Friends, number one, you've got to be qualified to pray. That is a child of God. Number two, you got to pray out of sincerity. Number three, you got to pray in harmony with God's will. That's right. Number four, you got to pray in faith, nothing doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, drawn with the uh, thrown with the wind and tossed. 
There's a lot of things that's true about praying. And we don't want to be guilty of vain reputation. Now, a, a person that prays, and maybe you hear somebody lead prayer publicly, here's one of those statements. Lord, lead, guard, and direct us. Well, someone might say, he says that every time he prays. Well, if he sincerely means it from the heart, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. But if he's saying it to be heard for his much speaking, then the Lord says, Eddie, it's a vain repetition. Well, that's exactly right, Wesley. And if, uh, I think one thing that uh, this caller has come good out of this question that our caller has called in is this. Usually the context will explain, mm-hmm. you know, and usually in many cases pretty simply what is being meant by those expressions. Like you said right after he makes that statement, then he goes on to show that this is the meaning of it is that these folks thought that by their much speaking they were going to be heard. Uh, how many times have you heard sermons, prayers, and other things that were killed because when the person got through, they didn't stop? They kept on and on and on and ruined maybe a good lesson or maybe even a good prayer. And it can do much harm many, many times instead of, you know, just getting right to the point and doing what God said. The key is the prayer must be from the heart and it must be according to God's will and meet the criteria, of course, as Wesley said, of the Word of God. Eddie and I, and I'm sure it's true in your case, we've heard preachers preach when they were through before they knew it. Right. They might not have realized it, but they were through. Heard a man say one time, I'm not going back to hear that preacher anymore. Why? He's a liar. Liar? Yeah, he must have said in conclusion five times and he wouldn't quit. Well, all of us, Eddie Kraft, myself, and all preachers must realize there comes a time to conclude, whether we want to conclude or not. And so we've got to be wise enough to know when to conclude. And some preachers aren't wise enough to know that, and I'm sure yours truly has been guilty of that as well. And some in the audience would have said, boy, he'd have been much better off if he had stopped 10 minutes before he did. All right, we thank the caller for the good question. You may have a question. We might as well go ahead and open the phone lines. If you want to be a part of the program, why not call 669-6900, 669-6900. If you're outside the immediate calling area, dial that Bristol area code 276 276 669 Zero, zero. And remember now, when you call, our program is being taped, and so you may hear yourself back on the air again at a later date. That's right. Because this may be played back again, but we are taping our program today. That's right. We're taping it for future use. Now, if you get nervous, you say, well, man, I get nervous when I'm on the air. Fine. Do like the last caller. Tell Glenn. He'll write it down bring it in to us. As we have time, we'll be glad to deal with it. Now, we're discussing unity. It'd be great if your questions were centered around that. We won't demand it. Sometimes we do, but we're not going to do that today. And I want to read to you the Lord's part of the Lord's Prayer in John 17. Beginning with verse number 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou sent me. Lord, what do you want? I want my believers, my followers to be one. To what extent? Just like the Father and I are one. Why? That the world might believe that thou hast sent 
me. Friends, I know of nothing, absolutely nothing, that causes more division and more disbelief and more trouble than all of these various religious doctrines. Think about all the division and unbelief. When I met with Carletta Sims down in Kingsport to discuss the possibility of uh, debate, and as you know, she's an atheist, she had some letters, and she shared them with me, the, the content that is. Religious people writing to her and saying, look at all this religious division, something's got to be wrong. And they had begun to question to some degree whether there was a God and whether the Bible was true. Why? Because of all the religious division. Let's suppose you're out there in the audience today and we convince you you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. That you're lost. You're on your way to a devil's hell. And now you've got to make a decision on what to do. Well, do you become a Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, Jehovah's Witness, Mormon? What shall you become? See, we'd say none of those. Absolutely none. None of them are authorized by God. All of those are of men. And Jesus said, in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. All efforts put forth by those individuals, no matter how sincere, come judgment day, will be vain. Wesley. That's a big statement. Sure it is. It's a mean statement. No, it's not a mean statement. It's a loving statement. I'm trying to get you to think. I'm trying to get you to realize there's not but one church. That's the church of the New Testament. Well, you will never read it in the Bible. Well, let me read it to you. Right here in these uh, seven ones of unity. Verse 4, there is one body. Now, I'd give anything to know what the body is. Whatever the body is, there's only one of them. And the Bible says in Ephesians 1, 22, 23, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says there's only one body and the Bible says the body is the church. Therefore, there's not but one church. Well, that's awful narrow-minded. It's only as narrow-minded as the Word of God. Which church is it? It's the church for which Jesus died, Acts 20, 28. It's the one he said he would build, Matthew 16, 18. This is the church that all responsible men and women must be a member of in this age or be lost come judgment day. Any church established after the one that was established on the day of Pentecost is the wrong church. Now, I'm talking about established by men, uninspired men. Eddie and I used to be associated with the church that had its origin in Cleveland, Tennessee. Wrong place, established by the wrong people, teaching the wrong doctrine. And though we were sincere, Eddie, we were still wrong. Exactly right. And again, honesty and sincerity is not the standard. Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus at the time, was honest and sincere and devout but very lost. He even said in Romans 10, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is. What is it, Paul? They might be saved. I bear them record to have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, they have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Sincere? Oh, yes. Dedicated? No doubt. Devoted? Who would question it? And yet lost. Friends, listen. 
It's not a matter of honesty and sincerity. Now, that's important. Anyone that's not honest and sincere is going to be lost. Right. But it's got to be governed by, and the criteria being the standard, the Word of God. Luke 8, verse 11. The parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. The Word of God, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation. Now, this gospel, this seed of the kingdom, this power that's able to save says there's one body. Simons didn't say that or craft. The Bible said it before there ever was a Simons or craft. The word of God says there's one body. And anybody that can make two out of it has got one too many bodies. That's right. They both could be wrong, but they both can't be right because the Lord says there's one. And I mentioned earlier, what if Wesley and I come on the program and we read this, we said the Bible says there's one God. And Wesley said, I believe that, but I just happen to believe it's Buddha. And I said, well, I believe there's one God, but I happen to believe that it's not Buddha, but rather it's the God of the Bible, Jehovah God. But it really doesn't matter because we have agreed to disagree. We've got unity. No, we've got union, but we don't have unity. He believes one thing, I believe another. And friends, we can't both believe different things and both be right. Wesley, I would have loved to have had the uh, philosophy that goes on in religion sometimes when I was in school that one answer is as good as another. You know, I would have never failed. That's right. You know, I would have told the teachers, I believe 2 plus 2 equals 10. And I may have told them that from time to time, but they always counted it wrong. You know, it's funny that the whole class could learn and know 2 plus 2 is 4. That's right. And anybody else that had a different answer was wrong. Can you imagine going home and Mama going back and jumping on the teacher or Dad saying, you ought to accept Eddie's answer. He was just as honest and sincere as these other people. And what difference does it make? Friends, the difference that it makes is the difference between right and wrong. And when the Bible says there's one body, there's one body, I can deny it, you can deny it, till this world comes to an end, but you'll know it then, and so will I. Friends, there's one body. You'll know it now, or you'll know it later. It's better off to know it now and accept what the Word of God says in God's book, the platform for unity. The Bible is always right. You know, ladies and gentlemen, if you're responsible for your actions, there are only two places you can be. You're either in the world, out there with the lost, or you're in the Lord's church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. These are they that have been called out of the world into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Read it for yourself in Colossians 1.13. The Lord is the one who does the adding to this church, according to Acts 2, 47. There is no such thing as being saved and then later going out and join the church of your choice. You do not read about that anywhere in God's Word. And you preachers who are listening to the broadcast, and we know that many do, why not call and show us that in the Word of God? Now, you teach it. Where somebody in the New Testament was saved and then decided to go out and join the church of their choice. Friends, when you look at the apostles, which church were they a member of? One might say, well, now Matthew, he was a Baptist. But now when you look at, uh, uh, say, Peter, Peter was a Jehovah's Witness. Andrew, though, was a Mormon. Now the apostle Paul came along and decided he wanted to be an Episcopalian. And they taught all these many different doctrines. No, no, no. A million times no. 
All of the apostles were members of the same body, same church. Now, you and I are obligated to be a member of the church they were a member of. Not a church that comes along in the 1600s like all these churches that grew out of the Reformation movement. No. And if there be those out there that are following a church that has just recently begun, it is equally wrong. You have to have your roots in the church that was paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And this is so serious to our Lord that he didn't want a church for the Jews and one for the Gentiles. In Ephesians 2, 15 and 16, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandment contained in ordinances, for to making himself of twain, one new man, so making peace that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Notice both Jew and Gentile are reconciled to God in one body. That body, the one church, the one for which Jesus Christ died. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't have a right. I don't have a right to be a member of the church of our choice. We are a member of the church of God's choice, or we are a member of the wrong church. It's that simple. And when we get on here and preach it like this, people get upset with us. And yet the Bible says the Lord is coming back with that church. In Ephesians 5, 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Now watch it. And he is the Savior of the body. The Lord is going to save the body. What is the body? The church. What is the church? The called out ones. Called out of what? Called out of the world. Redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. What a beautiful concept. What a beautiful, beautiful plan. And then these people that promote the ungodly doctrine of premillennialism, they want you and me to believe the church was an accident. Uh, afterthought when the Lord saw he couldn't set up his kingdom because the Jews rejected him he had to do the next best thing and establish the church and he's coming back later to try to establish his kingdom again friends if he couldn't do it the first time he won't be able to do it the second time either if he is a failure the first time he's not deity but the Bible says he is now friends Jesus said many of them standing here Shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. Mark 9, 1. And we have begged the preachers in this area to call in and explain Mark 9, 1 for us. If we're wrong on it, hey, we'll let you explain it. We'll let everybody in the listening audience hear it. All you got to do is call 669-6900. All right, let's take a break right here. We're going to take a break, and we want you to sing along with a group of Christians as they they sing this song, and we'll come back and continue our study. Right now, sing along with these Christians. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. Why not? Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own 
Tuned in late, you're in touch with the Arise to Truth radio program coming to you live from Studio B, right here at WZAP, the one to turn to each Tuesday and Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. May well be the case that you have a question on God's platform for unity. Uh, the song that was just sung, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Friends, is that your attitude? Is it mine? It must be your attitude. And it has to be mine. Even the Bible says in Romans 15, 3, even Jesus did not please himself. He came to do the will of the Father. I can't go through this life with the attitude, well, I like, to, I like this, so I'll do it. No, where's Bible authority for it? The Bible says whatsoever we do in word or deed, we've got to do all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's, right. That's by his authority. Now, the church you're a member of, are you doing it by his authority? The plan of salvation you've obeyed, are you doing it by his authority? The way you worship, are you doing it by his authority? Have thine own way, Lord. On this broadcast, we want to do it by his authority. All right, we've looked at the concept. There is one body. Now notice, one spirit. Now we're talking about the Holy Spirit here. Now, if there is just one Holy Spirit, one spirit, and there is, then surely the Holy Spirit is not leading different preachers to teach different things to contradict one another so that there's just all kinds of mass confusion. That's right. No, friends. 
You know, the Apostle Paul says, if any man deem himself to be spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I speak are the commandments of the Lord. That's right. That's exactly right. How in the world can I say, well, one thing about it, I'm on the Lord's side, and I preach what the Lord wants me to preach, and I turn around and contradict that which is found in God's Word? Friends, I'm not on the Lord's side when I do that. Listen to the Word of God. I read it or quoted it to you a moment ago. I want to read it to you word for word. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. 1 Corinthians fourteen thirty seven. We have those that say, oh, I agree with the Apostle Paul. Do you? Well, the Apostle Paul says that we are to be baptized in order to crucify the old man of sin. You agree with him? The Apostle Paul is the one who says there's only one body. You agree with him? The Apostle Paul is the one who says there's only one God, one faith, one baptism. Do you agree with him? I have no problem at all agreeing with him. I'm convinced he's totally right. Now, we have those who come on the air and they say, Oh, on the way over here, the Holy Spirit laid this on my heart, and I can't wait to share it with you. And when they get through speaking the things they speak, it contradicts the very Word of God, which we know is Holy Spirit revealed. Now, friends, you can believe these people if you so desire. But the Bible says you and I better believe what is written within the pages of God's Word. And even if an angel from heaven should preach anything else, let him be accursed according to what the Bible says in Galatians 1, 6 through 9. Eddie? Wesley, that is so true. And friends, listen, whose spirit are we going to believe? The spirit that leads the Jehovah's Witnesses or the ones that lead the Mormons or or Roberts? Which Holy Spirit are we going to believe? I had a couple of Mormon elders years ago when I lived in Abingdon, as they are called, come by the house and said the Holy Spirit will let you know whether we're telling you the truth or not. I said, well, whose Holy Spirit am I going to believe? Am I going to believe yours or Oral Roberts? Well, they didn't like the spirit that leads Oral Roberts. And so they said, well, God will let you know. I said, yep, thank you. He already has. And the Holy Spirit let me know through the word of God not to accept their spirit nor Oral Roberts' Holy Spirit, but the spirit that gave us the word of God. Paul says, now the spirit speaks expressly. Paul, how was the spirit speaking? Through Paul's writing to Timothy. John wrote from the Isle of Patmos to the seven churches of Asia. And at the end of each one of those books, he said, He that hath the ear, let him hear what John said. No, let him hear what the Spirit said. That's right. When they read what was written, they heard what the Spirit said. Today, when we read what's written in the Word of God, Wesley, we hear what the Spirit says. A woman called here one day and said the Spirit told her, maybe she said God, I don't remember, told her she could preach. And I believe she said the Spirit, she you recall? The Spirit. Mm-hmm. And Wesley pointed out to her, the Holy Spirit told me you couldn't. And then he went to 1 Timothy 2. Now, whose Holy Spirit would you believe, ladies and gentlemen? I'm going to believe the Holy Spirit that gave us 1 Timothy 2. That's right. And that's the only one I'm going to believe. And when people preach things that contradict, even though they claim they can speak in tongues and heal the dead, raise the dead and heal the sick and so on, if they're not teaching what the Word of God says and they're teaching things contrary to it, I know they're false prophets. John wrote, don't believe every spirit, but try, T-R-Y, try the spirit whether they be of God. For many false prophets are going out into the world. First John 4, 1. There were people that came through the church at Ephesus, Revelation 2, 2, said they were apostles. It says they tried them and found out they were liars. How could they try them? They tried them 
by what the Spirit said. That is the written, inspired, inerrant, perfect will of God. That's exactly right, Eddie. Wesley, these verses we're reading and studying are just as applicable to me and you as they are to our listeners. That's right. We have to conform to them, friends. We have to conform to them. And if Wesley and the good congregation up at Stony Creek call themselves the Stony Creek Church of Christ, and they cease to practice New Testament Christianity, they cease to be the church. What did John say to the churches of Asia? He said, if you don't repent, I'll remove the candlestick out of its place. If you read Revelation 1, the last two verses, Wesley, the candlestick's the church. That's right. They would cease to be the Lord's church. It would be removed out of its place if they didn't repent of some of the error that had been brought into those congregations. And friends, the same is true with us today. And so you can put whatever name you want to on the door if you're not practicing what the Word of God says then it doesn't matter what you call yourself. You can call yourself a Christian. It won't make you one until you obey the will of God. Someone said that entering a church building no more makes one a Christian than walking in a hen house makes you a chicken. Well, that's exactly right. Someone can walk into a church building that's got on the sign out front, Church of Christ. That doesn't make one a member of the Lord's church. Now, we do and are convinced that one needs to use terminology that's found in the Bible. Church of God, uh, Church of Christ, Church of the Firstborn, Church, Christians, Disciples, that kind of thing, when referring to individuals, the second uh, couple of phrases there. So it's important that we use the proper terminology and so forth. Arise to truth. You're on the air. Go ahead, please. Uh, Wesley, how you doing? Doing good, Jim. You? I'm doing fine. Would you read uh, Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen, nineteen, and 20? I'll be glad to. Matthew 28. Let me turn over, Jim, just a minute. Holding on to the phone and turning the Bible with the other hand. Matthew 28, beginning with verse number 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And, Lord, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. All right, so we know that was given to them apostles. Now, after they had did their uh, uh, missions and stuff and passed on and whatever, then it was passed on to other Christians, that same uh, commission. commission. Mm -hmm. But it wouldn't limit to men only. You mean as far as sharing the truth, not men only? Not not uh, men only uh, in the sense of teaching people, for it, uh, but it meant mankind, like Eddie said in the background there. Well, but when it comes to preaching publicly, well, what would wrong? What would be wrong with a woman evangelist? Okay, what's wrong with a woman evangelist? The Bible says she's not to teach her serpent authority over the men. All right, but let's go back to this uh, great commission. I mean, it's. It's given to basically all Christians. Yes, I, I buy that. I buy that. So, and all Christians are men and women. I buy that. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's what I won't buy, though, Jim. A woman can teach a fellow lady at work. She can teach children. There's a lot of people she can teach in fulfilling the Great Commission. Yeah, but now, let's go, let's look at these verses specific. I mean, Christ didn't say, now, go ye and just teach the men and the women teach the women, he'd just say what he said. Okay, but this is not all he said about it. 
What I mean by that, all of the Bible is to be taken into consideration. Well, I know it says different over in the uh, further on down. Let me, let me read it to you from 1 Timothy 2, verse 11. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Now, that doesn't contradict what is said in the Great Commission, Jim. But it does limit. It limits that. It doesn't contradict it. She still can go and teach uh, in all the world. But uh, in that first Timothy, that's, that's speaking directly to the church building, isn't it? You, sure, you mean uh, when they're in the church building? Yeah, in the congregation. No, the woman cannot teach or usurp authority over the man anywhere. For instance, my wife, as sweet and wonderful she is, will not ever lead uh, a prayer for thanks for the food when we're at the table. Well, not not because you're the, you're the head of your household, right? But uh, if you take somebody that was just meeting somebody out here in the public, and uh, you take a, a, as you know, you have Christian ladies that know much about this Bible than any man. Oh, oh, amen. And I can explain it to you exactly. You know, amen. Factor. In fact, even know some of the. Uh, Regular Hebrew and Greek and everything else. Yeah. And uh, when 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 one of them ladies come upon uh, uh, somebody that don't in it, know know nothing about Jesus, I'm sure she can uh, explain she, and talk to him and and tell him all about it. Yeah. Well, when you when you see Priscilla and Aquila, that's a husband and wife. Right. They took Apollos, and the, and the and the pronoun is they took him over. They did it together. And expounded unto him more perfectly the word of the Lord. They did it together. And he was a man that was well educated in the school. Yes. Now, that kind of thing can be done, but now to proclaim it publicly, no. She cannot do that. She can teach children. She can teach other women. The Bible says let the older women teach the younger women. Let them teach children, etc. So the Bible puts the limits there, Jim, not me. Just like the Bible puts some limits on men. For instance, let's take the eldership. If Jesus Christ were alive and on the face of the earth today, as brilliant as he is, as holy as he is, he would not be qualified to be an elder. Because you had to be married, you had to have believing children. See, he, he'd he know that, though, because he put those qualifications in the Word of God. So he would be limited in that sense. He was limited while on earth in that he could not serve as a priest at the temple because he was not a Levite. He could not do that. So if God puts limits there, those limits must be observed. Okay? Uh, yeah. But when you just mentioned that, but he wasn't a Levite. Uh, let's see, Joseph was from uh, Judah, right? Well, I think that's, yeah, I believe that's right. He came, Joseph was from Judah. Yeah. And, and Mary, she was a daughter uh, from uh, Levi. But regardless, he came through the tribe of Judah. Right. Because, he, well, then uh, Mary must have on Joseph lineage. Yeah. So, so in that case, he was not qualified, and the Bible makes the argument. In Hebrews 7, he wasn't qualified, as, as well as Hebrews 8, 4. So the Bible makes the argument he was not qualified. Okay, well, y'all have a good day. Okay, Jim, thank you for calling. All right, bye. Okay, bye. If you wish to be a part of our program, as Jim just was, you better hurry. We're running out of time. 669-6900. We'll be glad to put you on there and let you make your comments, whether you agree or disagree, and we'll let you have your say. 
or if you want to have it written down as a couple of our callers have, you can do that as well. Ed, you might have a comment on what Jim had to say. No, it's pretty. You handle it all right. All right. Now back to Ephesians four, and we got to hurry. We're running out of time. Notice there is one body, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. Friends, there's only one hope. There's not a Christian hope, a Catholic hope, a Jewish hope, and maybe even a Muslim hope. No. There is one hope. And I don't mind telling you the only hope you've got, the only hope I've got, is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Come unto me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, we have those today that would try to get people saved other than through Jesus Christ and through his blood. Friends, you can hang it up and forget it. Responsible people have to go through the blood of Jesus. Now, little babies that die having not committed a sin, that's a different situation. We're talking about responsible people. Now, when you listen to these politicians on radio and TV, see, they want to be politically correct. So the Muslim, that that religion, that's just as good as any other. Why, if you want to be a Taoist, a Shinto, a Buddhist, whatever, that's fine. Well, it's not fine given what the Word of God says. When you study the Koran, the Koran makes it plain that Allah had no son. He doesn't have a son. So I know that Allah and Jehovah God are not the same God because the characteristics are not the same. The God of the Bible's got a son. And he gave that son for the entire world, John 3.16. He did it while we were yet sinners, Romans 5.8. And the only way you and I are going to make it, friends, is through Jesus Christ. Eddie, that's the only hope we got. It is the only hope. And it's connected to the resurrection, Wesley, in Second Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If there's no resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, then there's no hope. But if you're going to stick with Allah or some other God, then there is no resurrection from the dead, therefore no hope. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, if in this life only we have uh, hope, we're of all men most miserable. You know, if there's no resurrection, there is no hope. And there's only one. It's, a, it's just amazing that people will argue for more than one church, more than one baptism, more than one body, and more than one, but then won't argue for more than one God, or one hope, more than one hope. But if there's more than any one of these, Wesley, then there's one of each or more. The truth is, God meant what he said, and said what he meant, it's simple enough that a child could understand it. I'll never forget when a fella came up to the studio here one day, was going to set Wesley and I correct, straight, I guess, said, I'm just a simpleton. You know, and acting by that, he meant, I just accept what the Word of God says. Well, he didn't accept Mark 16, 16. No. He didn't accept Acts 2, 38. Matter of fact, it's been a, a radio program denying that those verses meant what they said. Friends, when you get through arguing and writing and saying everything you want to do, Jesus still said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Peter will still say, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. The Bible will still say, One body, one spirit, even as you're called, in one hope of your calling. Wesley, the Bible is right. 
Eddie, that's exactly right. Listen, friends, the only hope you've got, the only hope I've got, is through Jesus Christ. The only hope the world's got is through Jesus Christ. But we've got to do what he says. Jesus said, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say. That brings us to our next one, one Lord. Jesus Christ is either Lord of your life or he's not. If he's Lord of your life, you do what he says. I quoted it, Luke 6, 46. Why call you me Lord, Lord? Do not the things which I say. We got those who want to say, oh, Jesus is my Lord. And then they're a member of some man-made church Jesus knows nothing about as far as having established it. They've obeyed a plan of salvation that's not even found in the Word of God. They worship in such a way that's not authorized by Scripture. Friends, is he Lord of your life? Jesus is not just Lord. He's Lord of lords. He's not just a king. He is king of kings. In English grammar, we call that a superlative, that he's superior to all. See, he's a king of kings, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. All must bow to him and be submissive to him. Now, we've got to make sure then that Jesus Christ is our Lord. The Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Notice, in Christ. They're in Christ. In whom? That's in Christ. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Eddie, Jesus Christ must be our Lord, or we're not going to heaven. Wes, you can confess him now as Lord. Every knee should and every tongue should. That's Philippians 2. But if you don't, you shall. Romans fourteen eleven. So it's either confess him now, bow to him now, or you will later. There's no atheist, agnostics in hell. Friends, they all know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he is Lord to the glory of God. Everyone will see Jesus. Right. Everyone. As Eddie mentioned a moment ago, Every eye will see him, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Madeline Murray O'Hare, the ungodly atheist, will see Jesus. But only the pure in heart will see God. See, we're trying to encourage you to be pure in heart. So the Bible says there's one Lord, one faith. Man, you're talking about narrow-minded. This is talking about the belief system set forth in the Word of God, friends. Just one faith. Well, which faith is it? The one in the Bible. It's not Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, Jehovah's Witness, Mormon. All these came along way, 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 way too late. The one faith that will save you, friends, is in the Bible. If you want a copy of what we believe, buy you a New Testament. Buy you a complete Bible, as a matter of fact. And you'll know exactly where we're coming from. Nothing more, nothing less. Speak where the Bible speaks, remain silent where the Bible is silent. So there's only one faith. Well, if there's only one faith, I can't believe one thing and Eddie Kraft believe something else and both of us be right. I can't be a Baptist and hear a Mormon and both of us be right. Now, both of us could be wrong, but we couldn't both be right. Think about all the people out here, friends. You know them, I know them. The wife's a Baptist. The husband's a Presbyterian or something else. 
The children are Catholic, Mormons, Presbyterians, Jehovah's Witness, etc., and they spend a lifetime fighting with one another about what they believe. I asked you in love and kindness, is that from God or Satan? You know the answer. It is from Satan. Satan has tried to imitate the New Testament church, and he's got people in man-made churches, Eddie, believing things that are not authorized. They're on their way to hell, and they think they're on their way to heaven. And you know, even Carletta Sims recognizes that. Oh, yeah. She recognizes that kind of division causes atheism. Friends, listen. The denominational world says the one faith is all the different denominations combined. No, you can combine all the denominations you want to, and you won't end up with one faith. You'll end up with many different faiths. And the truth of the matter is the Bible says there's one. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. And then the next one in this platform for unity is one baptism. Well, we'll skip that because now that's going to make people mad. Because those who listen to the broadcast often think that Eddie Kraft, myself, and the other speakers dreamed this one up. No, friends, it was Jesus Christ who said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. As Eddie mentioned a moment ago, a man followed us one time trying to answer what we have said. And he wound up affirming that almost every scripture that says something about baptism was both Holy Spirit baptism and water baptism. It amazes me. Every now and then I listen to that speech, and I wonder how in the world could a man have a written speech and make that many blunders? How in the world? We have those that are so afraid of water baptism, say, oh, but I was baptized with the Holy Spirit to be saved. Well, were you baptized in water to be a member of any church? You better believe it. I sure was. Well, add that up. That makes two baptisms. The Holy Spirit says there's not but one. One baptism. Which one is it? Well, Jim asked me a moment ago to read the scriptures, the Great Commission, where the disciples were to go into all the world and baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that was commission is to last to the end of the world. It was Jesus who said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. The inspired man Paul was taught, And now why tarriest thou, rise, be baptized, wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Baptism is for the remission of sins. You might say, well, I thought the blood of Jesus remitted sin. Oh, yes, that's the what. What takes care of your sins? That's the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can do that. Now, when? After a person's heard, believed, repented, confessed, and finally is baptized for the remission of his sins. Eddie, it's so plain it's unreal. It is, Wesley, and some of our Pentecostal friends get upset because we say you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Some of them believe you're baptized in the name of Jesus only. But, you know, the Bible says Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And they say, oh, but you got that from the Catholics. I don't know where you got yours, but I got mine from Matthew 28, verses 18 19. Wesley read just a moment ago, and that's sufficient. That's right, Eddie, and we've got to believe what the Word of God says on the subject. We had a denominational preacher calling here one time, and he said, well, now, Wesley, you're all right on what you say about Acts 2.38. That does teach that one is to be baptized for the mission of sins. You're right. You're right about Acts 22.16. You're right about a lot of the verses you teach showing baptism is essential. You're, you're telling the truth about Mark 16.16. 16. Well, why did he have to say that? Because the verses, friends, are clear. He says, however, when Paul came on the scene, he changed it. No, friends, Paul didn't change it. The Bible says he preached the faith which once he destroyed. 
He preached the same thing he tried to destroy. And so that won't get the job done. Look at how people pervert the word of God rather than just accept it. And finally, the Bible says there's one God, not three, not ten, not a hundred. One God. The same Bible says there's one God, says there's one faith, says there's one baptism, says there's one body. And people don't care if there's a hundred of those different things, but they get mad if you say there's more than one God. Friends, we've got to accept all the Bible. Well, our time's come and gone. If you'll hear, believe, repent. Confess and be baptized for the remission of your sins. The Lord adds you to his church, the one for which he died, not a man-made church. Love him with all your heart, and when the roll is called up yonder, you'll be there. We love you. God loves you. May God richly bless you as you continue to study the greatest of all books, the inspired, inerrant, perfect will of God.